Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's doing good, Shay. We're, we're doing a kind of a classic third party thing, a very nerdy episode. Some of our best content <laughs> has come out of this, but also trying something new. So a little nervous. Yeah, today we are... Uh... Covering the matchmaking update in Apex Legends. And as you said, we're trying something new. So we are reacting to the blog post on the podcast. We'll be reading the blog post on the podcast and reacting to it. So if you like the sounds of our voices, and if you like the sounds of us reading and messing up words, you've come to the right place this time around. That's right. Before we dive into the episode, though, if you want a question answered, ask it on our Discord channel meant for questions or leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Drop us a follow on Twitter, Grudoche and at HP Burson. Support's always appreciated over there. For sure. If you want to support the show even more, we have a Patreon. ton of awesome benefits over there. Most notably, access to the third-party invitational. You could be listening to this episode even earlier, so early access. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, we've talked about it before, but our behind the scenes episodes are pretty much a bonus episode at this point. So if yeah. you want an extra 30 minute episode talking Apex, life, movies, it's there on Patreon. Go check it out. A <laughs> couple bucks a month. Really appreciate it. Definitely. I think well, let's just dive right into it. I don't know how long this is going to take us to do. We've never done anything like this, but essentially, if you want to pull up your Apex Legends matchmaking update blog post. You can follow along with us. We're going to do some reading of the blog and then talking about it, sharing our thoughts, reacting to it. And we'll see how this goes. As Henry said, this is a new thing for us, new style of content rather than us paring it down. But a topic like this, I think, is when this is semi justified in that we will, it it's impacts everybody every day. And it's just been a topic of hot contention for what three years now the game's been out for three years yeah and this article is very dense and so we you know we're considering just having this as our news on the wednesday episode and taking some key points from it but we felt like it's a pretty dense topic and it's complicated and there's a lot to say a lot to unpack so it gets its whole episode yeah, and we'll see. Maybe we'll be confused. Maybe we'll have to explain things to each other during this. And yeah, we'll dive into it. We're going to start. I'm just going to read and comment and go back and forth until I tap out because I forget how to read. Um, and so we'll start with just yeah, dive right into the article. Overall, a little quick summary of the blog overall is that uh, Sammy Duke is kind of the lead technical director on this project, but that this was a very much a cross-discipline representative of response efforts in terms of how they made these changes and why these made these changes why they made the changes um they mentioned a lot of things that have already been tested and rolled out in various regions for ranked and pubs games and that they're going to continue to iterate on this that matchmaking is you know a live evolving feature, and so this is not like a finalized version that we can expect forever and ever so dive into the text though what is matchmaking 
While there are many definitions of matchmaking, let's focus on how we approach matchmaking in Apex Legends. For us, matchmaking encompasses three distinct concepts, progression, skill rating, and matching. The article goes into the progression system. The progression system is the part of matchmaking that is exposed to players. In Apex Legends, you earn a variety of rewards throughout our progression systems just by playing the game. Players get a sense of improvement and achievement based on their time and investment. A good progression system keeps more players feeling rewarded and engaged, and more players means better matchmaking. However, progression systems have an impact on in-game behavior and can change how matches play out. For example, while players may hot drop in pubs for the adrenaline, they might think twice about doing that in rank to avoid the harsh penalty for dying early. Similarly, daily and weekly challenges might encourage players to select unfamiliar legends or weapons. For these reasons, it's clear that progression affects more than just player engagement. Progression is a central component to the game and as must be considered when creating the skill rating and matching systems. Most importantly, since progression is exposed to the players, it strongly affects the perception of how fair a match is. For example, while you might expect account level to be strongly correlated to skill, that is not always the case. A low account player can be highly skilled and, like most of us here, a high level player can be a potato. <laughs> And so that's essentially diving into the progression system overall. So I'm going to pause here. Any thoughts on progression system when we're looking at matchmaking? Yeah, I think the article really goes straight in on this subject because matchmaking is something that is the first thing people complain about, you know, especially mm -hmm. in a BR. It's so easy to just say, oh, wow, how is that person in my game? How do I have this teammate? I don't like it. Well, What's being done is actually really, really difficult. Getting 60 people in a lobby that you know is fair, considering all the differences and just what players' situations are, very challenging. And they dive right into the progression system, which in theory should be the simplest thing. Like We just yeah. want people to rank up, feel good, have fun, and keep playing. Well, it's not that simple. Like <laughs> I just think it's crazy that, yeah, the progression system impacts different players so differently. If you're really, really good, maybe you don't care at all about the progression system. Mm -hmm. So then how important should it be when influencing the matchmaking? So I, I just think it, we really dive right in, and it, it's a little funny because progression is kind of the simplest thing. They started here yeah. for a reason, but it is mm -hmm. not simple. And that's their point, though, as well, is that this is visual. Mm -hmm. Progression is visual, and so this is what players see. Yep. A player that is level 2 does not want to get killed by a player that is level 588, even though there is a world in which those players are the same skill level. And that's kind of an interesting thing to look at, that this is what's visual to the game and to the player, and because of that, this is what maybe affects your frame of mind when you're playing and dying in-game. So. First one of three, progression system. <laughs> Next, we have the skill rating. From the article, skill rating is a numerical representation of a player's skill. The number is intentionally hidden from players to avoid exploitation. It is usually based on a number of factors that represent your skill and ability to play the game. To help us explain, imagine a skill rating between 1, worst, and 10, best. If I am a 5 and you are a 6, you are better than me by 1. But how much better is that? For this, we'll need to look at the skill rating distribution of all players. There are two ways to view distribution of skill. 
One is a continuous Gaussian distribution. This is where I hope you're following along. Essentially, what we're looking at here is from the article, this graph shows the skill rating distribution as well of all players in pubs. You can see the majority of players sit at the center of the distribution. On the right and the left, you have the lowest, highest slash lowest skilled players, which, which are much more rare. This continuous view is useful when the skill rating algorithm can be very precisely describing the skill of a player. For example, when it can confidently say a rating of a 5.2 is stronger than a 5.1, note that picture distribution does have a small issue we're aiming to fix. Example, low skill players aren't differentiated enough from one another rather than tapering off like high end players at the bottom to get grouped together. And so essentially, talk to me about the continuous Gaussian distribution, Henry. What are your thoughts looking at this? And then we'll get into the next. Uh, set of distribution of skills. This method is so precise that I do not think it's applicable for a BR. And <laughs> the reason is RNG. It's so difficult to say, okay, this player is better than that player. Well, what if that player landed on an R301 with a purple mag and the other player landed on a Mozambique? What's the skill level there? You know, like I just think when you think about the accuracy and precision of determining a player's skill, you can't really do that based off of such dirty data in a BR. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're just trying to compare one to one. Like in a BR, you need that scale. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because I think otherwise, like to your point, you do run into issues with the BR because it is hard to compare one to one in a non-controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And it just, we know players that only play when they're three stacking. Okay, Mm -hmm. well then, what's their, you know, score going to be compared to someone who doesn't or somebody that sometimes there's so many variables outside of skill that really impact performance. Mm -hmm. So does performance equal skill? Does skill equal performance? It's really hard to tell when there's all these random variables that absolutely impact it. But in a one-to-one, very hard, I think, to have an accurate system that says this player is better than that player. It's tough. Um, So first we covered the continuous Gaussian distribution under skill rating, and now we have discrete buckets. So from the blog, in this approach, players are grouped into four or five discrete groups. For example, every player between 0 to 2, 2 to 4, 4 to 6, 6 to 8, 8 to 10 will form their respective buckets. In this case, you assume every player in a bucket has an equivalent level of skill, either by choice or because the skill rating algorithm cannot distinguish those players from one another. The buckets chart above depict the player skill distribution using the previous version of our matchmaking algorithm. You can see that pubs have a pretty relaxed matchmaking as the buckets are pretty wide. The small buckets represent low skill and new players as we try to let them time to learn the game mechanics. So in this graphic, we're seeing very small group one, maybe double, triple that of group two, and then group three and four are much bigger than one and two. And so we're seeing that most people wind up in group three and four, even though that means if we're looking at this bucketing system, four being the highest skill. So that means you have preds and then anyone else that falls into group four as well, which is a wide range. Yeah. Um, they go on to say traditionally Apex Legends uses the bucket approach, but that is changing. And I think that probably relates to why some players do feel like at times they go from, if you jump from a bucket to a bucket, 
you're going to seriously feel feel that in game, which is I think what people have given feedback on and why they feel like, oh, all of a sudden I'm playing people I have no chance against, or all of a sudden I'm playing against people that are destroying me. Like, and there's kind of no in between at times is what people seem to say. Yeah, and I think that comes down to the the big issue. Um, this is a pretty simple way of determining you know skill with the bucket method, but one of the goals I think of a good matchmaking system is to allow progression of players to protect mm-hmm. the new player. You don't want the pred playing against the bronze player in pubs. You want to try to avoid that at all times because that would really ruin their retention. It would hurt their progression. You want to coddle them a little bit. Some people think, uh, back in my day, you know, I played with those great players and they inspired mm-hmm. me and I felt fine. I don't know. That's not really the industry consensus in any title anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of have some conflicting opinions on it because I did grow up, you know, feeling that way um, of being inspired by far, far superior mm-hmm. players. But like what you said, Jay, if your top bucket has such a wide gap in skill, like the gap between Diamond and Pred is astronomical, if they're playing together, it's not going to be really fun for the Diamond player, you know? Mm-hmm. So if that's but rare it enough, then- it's okay. But if it's yeah. not, it's really bad. And that's like, how rare is it? We talked yeah, about like, if, if you get destroyed by a pred once a week, you're fine. Yeah. But if you're feeling it every time you play, then yeah, you got an issue. Um, back to the blog, the final of the three uh, measures that we have is matching. Uh, so the blog says, finally, the matching algorithm is responsible for determining who's in your game. Using the skill rating, it will group players together to form a match. Squads and matches are formed based on player availability. This algorithm must balance speed versus quality. Should we form a match quickly, but with higher skill differences, or should we wait a bit longer for more closely matched opponents? Once we have selected the possible players going to the match, there remain two big questions. One, how do we form squads? Two, how do we pair squads against squads? There are several methods that matching can be done, but we'll explore this in the next section. So we'll dive into deep into matching here in a second, but I do think it's important to note it was something we spoke with uh, Emery on the data team about essentially the conversation of match balance speed versus quality. Do you want to wait longer for a match if it's a more balanced one? And you and I tend to always said we're happy to wait a little bit longer if it means a more balanced match. Yeah, I think the majority of players would certainly wait longer. The problem is Preds can't wait all day. So at some point, you need to put an extremely high-skill player into a lower-skill lobby, and that's where people get upset. But in my opinion, it's completely unavoidable. So you kind of just need to forfeit that in order to successfully get people to play the game. Like If you're in a situation where it's taking 30, 40, 60 minutes to get into a game, it's pretty much unplayable at that point. Mm-hmm. You know that, That's not fun. That's a failed... Uh, matchmaking algorithm but the flip side to it because there's only 750 preds per platform you know they can't just play against each other constantly there's not enough yeah so it becomes really really tough and i think that's where some of the big hurdles come in successfully you know combining time and quality in your matching system um so the next portion of the article then we'll keep this rolling 
what does Apex Legends use? So, from the blog, when the matchmaker is trying to form a match, it grabs 60 available players of similar skill and tries to form a match. For simplicity, let's imagine these 60 players are all solo. Given their skill rating, how do we organize these nine players into fair teams? So we have a graphic of nine players that we're now looking at here to illustrate this. To be fair, the following is not exactly what happens in the actual algorithm, since we also need to consider queue times and other variables outside of skill rating. However, the following examples will give you a good idea of how Apex Legends builds squads. If we have nine players we need to sort in the teams with skill ratings from one to nine, there are two reasonable ways we can make teams from the set of players. We can form teams with the closest average skill to balance the match. This is the approach we take in pubs. So that would essentially be forming teams of the level, the skill level of the nine player, the four and the three together, the eight, the five, and the two, and the seven, the six, and the one would be a team. Or they can form teams with similarly skilled players. In a fully competitive environment like ranked, we value having teammates of equal skill and a lower burden of quote carry. Over a perfectly fair match, over a perfectly fair match. No, while we are effectively stacking teams here, the set of players we are picking from is limited. We only pick from the players that made it into the match and therefore similarly skilled. Because of the inherent randomness and chaos of a battle royale, we think this is the right trade off. So, what that would look like is putting the skill level of seven, eight, and nine together on a team, four, five, and six together on a team, and one, two, and three together on the team. That would be forming teams with similar skills. This is what they do in ranked. Back to the blog. This covers the simple case, but things are not this easy. In the real world, as not everyone plays solo, when a pre-made squad joins into the matchmaker, we need to figure out where to place this pre-made squad and determine their effective rating. Imagine if we had a pre-made trio with skill ratings 2, 6, and 7. What are the ways we could mathematically determine their team's effective rating? Once we know that, the matcher can proceed to find teammates for solos slash duos and opponents for the squad. There are four ways we could calculate a specific a squad's effective skill. One, lowest. Are teams defined by their weakest link? If so, we take the lowest skill rating when matchmaking, but they're probably stronger than this. Highest is another option. Are teams defined by their best player? If so, we take the highest skill rating for matchmaking, but their team is probably weaker than this. Average. Do players contribute equally in a squad? If so, the average rating of the team would be 5, but does this truly reflect the squad's ability to win? And then last, we have weighted average. Do more skillful players carry a team? If so, perhaps we should place more emphasis on the strongest player. Purely for this example, let's say they have a 50, 30, 20 weighting, then the team's skill would be 0.5 times 7, 0.3 times 6, 0.2 times 2. I'm trying to speed through this part because I think this, we don't want to lose anybody great. here. Uh, but extracting these weights is non-trivial and may not be the same across all skill levels and modes. Hope you're following along on the blog if you can, and you're listening to this so you can kind of see the visuals to go along with it. But essentially, we're looking at four modes of matchmaking. From the blog, Apex Legends matchmaking algorithm currently uses highest for pubs and ranked, which means teams are defined by their best player. It offers the best protection against matchmaking exploits with new players and smurfs while safeguarding competitive integrity. It renders cases where high-ranking players might try to find lower-ranked players to get into easier matches useless and helps make boosting less prevalent. This, however, makes it very difficult for new players to join in with their more skillful friends. And as the match is made based on the more skilled player, we are actively making adjustments to increase game fairness for parties with large skill differences in pubs. Now, let's rewind back to our initial discussion on forming teams and matching teams. 
When we reach the threshold to build a match, at least 60 players of similar skill, we try our best to make the match based on a group size first. That being trios, then duos, and then remaining solo players. The goal is to balance out the inherent competitive advantage of being in a pre-made squad by equalizing group sizes across the match. We now we know that playing with people you know in a pre-made squad gives you an edge over strangers. You might know how your teammates behave, you might have chemistry, and you might have better communication. However, in reality, it is very difficult and unlikely to get 60 players of similar skill and of equal pre-made sizes into a match, so it is inevitably that we mix pre-made sizes. To remedy this, our new matchmaking algorithm will do a much better job at compensating for the competitive advantage that pre-made duos and trios have. We've done the science to quantify this advantage, and we're, we've been experimenting with a new system that can continuously learn and update over time. We expect this new algorithm to start rolling out worldwide early 2023. In short, pre-made duos and trios effectively have small advantages that should be added to their team's skill rating during the matchmaking and skill measurement processes. Thoughts, Henry? Really good Besides direction. Besides hurrah for solos. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good direction to go. I will say, yes, hurrah for solos, but this isn't like the end. It's still very no. difficult to be successful as a solo cure, um, no matter what. I think whatever the matchmaking algorithm is, you're not going to find yourself in a situation where you're a solo cure and you're going to get matched with a really great duo to carry you against a lot of pre-made trios because they'll be weighted lower and given lower skill scores or higher skill scores because they're in a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think that's what everybody wants. I just want to get carried. Great teammates every game. <laughs> like That's what everybody wants. This is not going to be that. We're definitely trying to, from what it sounds like, make more fair matching in order to compensate teams, which is a really mm-hmm. good direction. And is a comes back to how Apex was built. It was built to be a team game. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a team, you should have an advantage which means that we should account for that and how we balance teams. Um, essentially, it's, it to me reads like, hey, in a perfect world, we want all trios to play against each other. That's how we built the game. But that's just not how it works. And we need to make a system that adjusts for that. So yeah, I think moving in the right direction is definitely the way to go. It was interesting to you know hear them kind of outline how you can look at building teams together. And I think it's important to note that like, Building teams in Apex matchmaking is, you know, half the battle. We can put yeah. all people of the same skill together, but then when you actually go to build those teams, you're still having discrepancies you have to account for and such. And so they're fighting an uphill battle. And I appreciate this transparency to kind of be able to dive into this for sure. Definitely. So then we have the future of Apex matchmaking. Um there are a few things to consider moving forward with matchmaking influence in Apex Legends from the blog. First, players are constantly improving. A gold player in Season 2 has a very different skill level compared to a gold player in Season 15. Therefore, sometimes players feel like they are not progressing. But this is often not true. Everyone is just getting better together and constantly setting higher bars for our ranked tiers. However, this also means the game gets harder and harder for new players to jump into. How we handle new players is something we must keep in mind when we think about the matchmaking improvements. Second, we currently have different ways to matchmake depending on the game mode you are playing. 
Each mode has completely different skill rating systems and also different matchmaking algorithms. That needs to end with our new matchmaking system. Moving forward, all matchmaking will use the same skill level rating technology, but each mode will use different tuning values based on what works best for that mode. This will allow us to rapidly improve Apex Legends matchmaking across the board. Finally, we've built the new skill measurement algorithm for accuracy. Our former matchmaking system categorized players into four discrete, including one for new players, skill buckets. The new system is more granular and has many more buckets. This allows our matchmaking algorithms to make better decisions when placing players into matches. So, we will be retiring our current system in favor of this new one. The new system measures skill and creates matches based on two goals. Goal one, we need the player's measured skill to be meaningful. That is, it must be predictive of their performance in Apex Legends. In Apex Legends, this means player skill needs to predict that on average, squads with higher skills will consistently defeat lower skill squads in fights in place better. Current progress. In our tests across multiple queues, the new skill measurement system achieves this goal. Below is a plot showing of the win rate for a squad as the squad's kill skill rating advantage over its opponents increases. When the advantage is less than zero, this means the squad is of lower skill than its opponent, and naturally we'll see their win rate above below 50%. The win rate decreases further as the skill gap grows. An advantage of roughly zero represents a skill rating between the squad and its opponents, which means a 50-50 chance for both squads to win an encounter. When the advantage is more zero, more than zero, this means the squad of higher skill of, is the squad is of higher skill than its opponent, and the win rate for the squad goes above fifty percent and increases as the skill gap increases. Henry, how would you explain this graph that we're looking at that measures win rate? I think it's an important one to try and illustrate to our podcast listeners. It's a linear bar chart. Um, not a ton to take away from this. This comes down to a metric that I've always had a really hard time with. Encounter win rate. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's probably the most dirty metric you could pull, but you kind of have to use it when you talk about matchmaking. Um, the context that I don't like it in is when you talk about like legend balancing. You know, yeah, this legend agreed. in particular has a high or a low encounter win rate. The reason it's so difficult is you got weapons, you got legends, you got throwables, you got, you know, location on the map, you have game mode, you have third parties, you have the ring. So many variables impact your encounter that it's never just a simple 3v3 of the same exact legends, with the same exact guns, with the same exact armor. And so, it's really hard for me to fully buy into the fact that you can actually get this data on any scale at any level. So I am very cautious about <laughs> the idea of being able to plot it and determine it and match make based off of encounter win rate. Yeah. What I will uh, say, yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to in quick uh, quick interjection was I was just going to say that because they have so much data, I think that does help them obviously look at it. They get to see every game that's ever been played yeah. versus with every single person, every single lobby. So I optimistically think that helps, you know, graph this data. But back to your point, feel free to continue. It just seems so complicated. Even if you have <laughs> millions of games, I don't even understand how you can put those into encounters, I think is my issue. Like, what happens if I die to the ring? 
what happens if I get third party? Like, who is my opponent in those situations? And so I just feel like no matter if you have a million games or 20 games, very, very hard to, to determine in a BR. But what I will say about the future of Apex matchmaking that they mention is the fact that, I mean, we talk about this all the time. A gold level player in one season is different from a gold level player in another season. Yes. That is a problem, but it makes sense. The player base is getting better over time. That's very natural. The th- thing that they're trying to do to make more skill buckets, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. that's really good because then it's less painful as you progress and progress and have, you know, movement between buckets. Downside is, you need a lot of players if you want to add more buckets. You know, mm-hmm. we need to keep the player base large because if then we have more buckets, but maybe time of day there's not enough players, mm-hmm. then you're going to have the same exact issue as you have right now because you're going to have huge jumps. You're going to have somebody in a very high bucket playing with somebody mm-hmm. at, on a way lower bucket. And that's why we don't get really worked up about matchmaking in general because. At the end of the day, if there's a lot of players on, matchmaking will be better. If there's not, matchmaking will be worse. There's mm-hmm. no system you can make that really helps that unless you're willing to wait a long time. So I'm very optimistic about this system. They're saying all the right things and echoing mm-hmm. things that we've talked about in the past. And good to see that in tests, they are seeing success so far with totally. what they're looking for. And that's, that's I think, great to illustrate. And that's, I think, why they're willing to share this information as well. Um, but back to the blog, that was the first goal, was the current progress of the new system that will measure skill and create matches. Goal two, with this new skill measurement, we need to make the tightest possible matches in a reasonable time frame. Our new matchmaker strives to achieve this by flipping the typical search around. Rather than placing players into static buckets and creating a match as soon as a bucket reaches 60 players, it will predict the distribution of incoming players and dynamically choose the optimal trade-off between skill differences and wait time. Current progress. Our live tests with this new system show it works. Matches are tighter and wait times remain mostly unchanged. Since Eclipse Season 15's launch, These systems have gone live in certain regions and modes for testing. The old system will slowly be phased out region by region. At every step, we'll be measuring whether the new system is working as expected and whether the changes are positive for players. When these systems are fully live everywhere, we can then start exploring additional corrections to player skill rating to account for whether you're playing for solo, duo, trio. We hope that players will enjoy the changes and we continuously look at our data and player feedback as we make further tweaks and improvements. So... Takeaway, the future of Apex matchmaking. Things are changing pretty drastically, I would say. Like, this is not like, hey, we're making a small adjustment here. Um, But things are changing drastically. And in test, so far, they're seeing the signs of continued health and improvement in games. That's all I can ask for, personally, as a fan right now. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that this article is a good bit of transparency on a really complicated issue. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you do have to trust a little bit and say, all right, yeah. the new system is working. I got to play more. Or I got to work harder to make sure it's working for me, um, mm-hmm. which we haven't had a whole lot of transparency in the past. And so a lot of players, I think, have felt in the dark for so long yeah. with questions. Um, 
And so now we're going to answer a few questions that were commonly asked and responded to by the developers in this article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well said. So we have three questions to cover from the blog. Uh, One, why are higher skilled players in my match? I'm sure you've heard that one before. Cheeky. Uh, From the blog, we don't purposely put you in harder matches to slow you down if you're winning a lot, nor do we intentionally put you in easier matches because you're on a losing streak. We try to put you into matches where you'll have a fair chance of winning, and those are matches at your current skill level. Your skill rating is dynamic and always adjusting. When you're on a win streak, your skill rating increases. This leads to you being placed with higher skill players compared to the beginning of your streak. Congratulations, you are improving. The opposite is true when you're on a loss streak. You might start to feel like games are getting easier because your skill rating is decreasing, and as a consequence, the skill of your opponents are dropping. Either way, this is the system accounting for your recent changes in skill. This process tends to be slow, so you should only feel these changes from long streaks. Next, your opponent is tilted. If you see an opponent ranked match much higher than you, you could happen to be having a bad day and is on a loss streak. Similar to when you are on a loss streak, you are being placed into a less skillful match. Your opponent might instead be in that situation. Gotta think about the other people, Henry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing. Point three, you happen to be one of the lower skill players in the match. When we build a match, we need to find 60 players with similar skill in a reasonable amount of time. However, we can never make a match of 60 identical players. There will always be skill differences between players. When you get into a match, there's a 50-50 chance you'll place in the lower half of the skill distribution within that match. This feeling of having a harder or easier match could emerge from changes in your relative ranking compared to the opponents from match to match. Future matchmaking improvements aim to shrink the range of skills within a match, which should decrease the feeling of skill gaps. And then point four, pre-made with high skill differences. In certain game modes, we used highest matchmaking when evaluating a pre-made squad. A more skillful player can bring a weaker player into a more difficult match. If you are a lower skilled player playing with a friend of a higher skill level, be mindful that you might be placed into more difficult matches. As mentioned above, though, the new system we're implementing aims to improve these situations as we continue to work on matchmaking. Thoughts? Nothing really new here. I think this is a a confirmation of what a lot of people have felt and what we have talked about. And then question two. Do we try to give good players bad teammates? From the blog? No, we do not intentionally give good players bad teammates. The easiest way for players to control the skill of your teammates is to choose them beforehand, which many high skill players do. That being said, there are three reasons why a high skill solo player may feel the situation. One, there's always a range of skills in your match. If you're one of the strongest players in a particular match, you are indeed more likely to be paired up with players weaker than you. That's because we still have to pair you with other players to form a squad, and those players are just likely to be weaker than you. However, the skill gap should still not be large because we limit the range of skills in each match. Two, if you're at the top end of skill distribution, no matter what players you end up being matched with, your teammates will almost always be worse than you. This is because the tail end of the distributions are poorly populated and matchmaking in this zone requires incredibly long matchmaking times incredibly large skill gaps, or some intermediate mix of the two. This is the ideal case. The same goes for players at the bottom of the distribution, as this part of the skill distribution is also less populated than the rest. And then point three, higher skill players tend to squad up, which worsens the issues in point one and two. In combination, the effects above can certainly give the impression we are intentionally doing big brother matchmaking, 
While these effects are unavoidable, we are making changes that will lessen the impact of these issues. There will always be a range of players' skill in our matches, but our newest matchmaking system is aimed at decreasing the range of skills in every match without significantly changing the matchmaking times, except maybe a bit at the high end. This new system has been tested live and shows that yes, we can make higher, we can make tighter matches that will lessen these issues. These changes will roll out worldwide early 2023. What do you think? Well, one thing that I've seen a few creators mention is could we try solo queue lobbies? Mm, And would that fix this issue? Like, obviously, you know, if you're in a pre made, three stack or you're playing with a friend that's a big advantage it's going to increase your performance but we're never going to be able to to balance out the solo queue experience and the pre-made experience yeah so would apex die if we just divided the two like could you have it where well everybody's on a team where their teammates suck and don't listen to yeah. them and are you know doing their own thing would that be better I think you would you'd run into issues. I think you would run into longer queue times for both playlists because mm-hmm. you're dividing the playlist. I think to their point they mentioned in the matchmaking article, it's really hard to get 60 groups of 3 in the same yeah. skill bucket. And so I think you would probably still end up feeling similar more. Yeah, you feel yeah. end up still feel up ending similar issues where you're putting pre-mades together but the skill range is wider. So you're either wiping with your friends or you're getting destroyed by your friends. We just there just might not be I don't know if there's enough players in any game to maybe do something this uh this direct. Um yeah. maybe like an LTM though or something like that. We could definitely test it, would be kind of fun. Or yeah, like where you just lock everybody that wants to play that LTM where they can't play with your friends. You know, yeah. and we see what or is that like, like you have to have a teammates yeah. to, to play the LTM like, yeah. or something. Yeah. So it could be interesting. I agree. Uh, last question from the blog. Is matchmaking built to directly optimize retention and engagement? No. Our matchmaking algorithm is only concerned with measuring skills and arranging the fairest possible matches in a reasonable time. The hope is that this process creates the most fun matches. There is a clear problem here. You can't actually measure fun. This is where retention comes in. Retention measures the fraction of players coming back to play the game day after day or week after week. That's why retention is important to us. Players are more likely to stick around if they're having fun. So if we see that a particular matchmaking algorithm is increasing retention across the board, then we know that we've likely improved matchmaking for everyone. With that said, we'd never build an algorithm that is directly optimizing for retention and definitely not engagement. Convincing you to play an extra hour a day when you'd normally do other things isn't good for us or you. As a side note, this is why matchmaking changes take so long to materialize. It takes at least a month for us to prove that the impact was beneficial, and sometimes we end up having to go back to the drawing board. Retention is one of the few reliable ways to assess how fun the game is, and it only makes sense when considering a large cohort of players over a long period of time, so we're forced to iterate slowly. Usually, unless we see a positive change in long-term retention, we are unlikely to accept a matchmaking change worldwide as it's an indicator that it's probably not a change that improves the game. Would have known this months ago if you were listening to the Patreon skill-based matchmaking yep. episode, Engagement Optimization Matchmaking, EOMM. Um, yeah, great to reinforce here. That's the blog overall, though. So 
I'm sorry for anyone that turned off the pod because of <laughs> all that reading. Uh, I wasn't expecting to read the entire thing, but I you just, did great. I kept Shay. flowing, man. I kept flowing. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and he's like, easiest episode I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, if you like Storytime with Jay, you know, drop us a comment on Discord. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we do more of that for sure. Um, what do you think overall, though? <laughs> overall, nice. We don't have a ton of actionable, but it's nice to see that you know there is a lot of effort being put into this. I mm-hmm. think that last question about retention is something that I think a lot of players might get hooked up on because I think a lot of players in their mind might boil it down to, oh, you don't know what fun is? Fun is when I win every game. Mm. Like if I am just dominating my lobbies, that's fun. If you want to know what fun is, then you know, make that happen. Well, it's not that simple. And I think it's not (laughs) possible either. But because that's not possible, it's really complicated. So when they say, you know, it takes them months just to get one sample to determine if retention increased or decreased, I mean, you're talking about taking six to 12 months to come out with anything that's really impactful. And the reason is fun or retention is not just how easy the game is, it's the challenge of the game. And yes. that is such mm-hmm. a balance. I mean, in order to keep playing, maybe you should, you know, have to fight against a really good team or have a pred in your lobby. Mm-hmm. That's really like stimulating. Oh man, we're gonna yeah. go against the diamond trail. And then I'm gonna keep playing more. But that could literally one grenade could honestly ruin that whole experience yeah. where you're like, wow, we just got absolutely rolled. But if there wasn't that one grenade, you could have beaten that diamond team. Mm-hmm. But then, win or lose, how did that impact your retention? Are you raging? Are you going again for another challenge? Really depends. I think just the BR matchmaking is such an enigma, such a challenge. Mm Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard. It's a good point, though. I think uh, to essentially focus in on the fact that it's so hard to measure is fair. And it's why I think this has been worked on for so long before we're finally getting this it's been tested it's been it's been uh thought through and ideated on many times which i think is a testament to how much they care about it obviously but yeah winning's fun i don't think always winning is fun though but maybe that's just my personal opinion it'd be boring to play a game that you just win over and over and over again playing supreme commander right now we could set the box to easy every single time and keep playing but we don't we need to up that difficulty because we want it to be a fun challenge. So yeah, balancing the two, making sure people are still having a fair chance at winning, which is essentially what matchmaking is. How can we give people a fair opportunity to win so that they do win enough that it's, they still feel vindicated in playing the video game? It's in hard the to right do. Context. In the right you know, context. Like you, you, winning isn't enough. You have to win on the right team, on the yeah. right map, with the right legends in order for it to be fun. Like, yeah. if I win with Watson, it's a lot less fun than when I win <laughs> with views, you know? So it's yeah. like all those little details impact retention, and it's hard. I yeah. think Apex does an amazing job with it. If you want to talk about retention, you look at Henry and Shea. 
you know, we're day <laughs> one players and we still can't get enough. So it's yeah. like they're doing something right yeah. at the end of the day. I, I think high level, I hope you guys enjoyed this to an extent, kind of if you don't read blogs, kind of seeing, hey, this is a really detailed example of it. And this is what it's like to have that level of communication. So I hope you enjoyed this style of episode. I just think overall for me, I'm happy to see that it seems like we're swimming in the right direction. And this level of communication is beyond exciting. I hope that we can get this level of detail of breakdown in like why we are balancing certain weapons or legends in that way. I think this Let's is the hope. gold standard of yeah. communication, obviously now. And, you know, hopefully they can continue to see st- and we used to get stuff like this for legends back in the day. So optimistic that maybe we can continue to have this level of comms from dead of bleed over into other aspects of apex legends i think they the respawn team knocked this one out of the park because however you feel about matchmaking you have their thought process if you agree or disagree you can but they've explained why they've made the decisions that they did and i think they're doing everything for the right reasons which is what i care about yeah and there were some things in this article that i was shocked by like the fact that when you're on a losing streak, they don't necessarily care. Like yeah, yeah. they, the system doesn't directly say, all right, let's, let's throw them some let's easy lobbies. Like yeah. ha- being on a losing streak will affect your ELO or your yeah. kind of skill rating, but they're not doing, that's not the intention, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. So some yeah. good takeaways. Definitely. Any other thoughts or are we good to wrap this one up? That's a wrap. Let's get some dubs. Awesome. Thank you to our producer of the third party 10 who supports us over on Patreon. Hit the plus on Apple, drop us a follow on Spotify and check out the discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom. Whole squad down. Maybe tomorrow.